Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good, good, good. So, man, we're uh, starting a new series today called Relationships uh, That Matter. And uh, anybody here got relationships? Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we all deal with relationships. That's just what we do. And uh, hopefully uh, you've already gotten to the point where you realize that relationships are some of the most important things in life. You know, oftentimes when people get to the end of their life, it's not about what they've accomplished. It's not about what they've gained. It's about who's in their life. It's about relationships, you know. And so hopefully today as we kind of begin this series, we're going to unpack the most important relationship today and how it affects all the rest of them. If you're joining us online, man, we're so glad you're a part of the service today. And uh, hopefully God will speak to you about your relationship with Him. That's what we're talking about today is our relationship with God. Throughout this series, we're going to talk about a couple of different relationships. Today, we kind of unpack our relationship with God. Next week, it's with our spouse. And if you're single, don't check out. I mean, you think, hey, well, you know, I can miss next week. Nope, there's some things you need to learn about, you know, our marriage and our spouse and how do we how do we have a right relationship, a healthy relationship. And then also the week after that is with our family, you know, our kids and our parents. And then the week after that, it'll be talking about our relationship with others and how do those relationships come into play. And so healthy relationships is what we really desire in life. But, man, they don't come easy. Uh, relationships take a lot of hard work, uh, sometimes awkward conversations and uh, sometimes uh, taking ownership of things. And so... How do we have these healthy relationships? How do we, how do we have those uh, relationships that will be healthy, that we can communicate, we can talk? You know, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I grew up in a home uh, that I often call uh, you know, dysfunction junction. I mean, it was bad. And uh, so we didn't have the best communication skills in the home that I grew up in. And so I grew up in a home where everybody yelled and screamed at each other. I mean, if you got mad, you just yelled. At times, you could throw stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just what we grew up in. And Laurie, my wife, she grew up in a home where her mom and dad hardly ever argued at all in front of them. They would go to a bedroom and kind of work it out. So Laurie kind of didn't see a whole lot of that going on. So when we got married, we had to learn how to fight and fight fair. Does anybody else have to deal with that? I mean, we had to kind of hey, learn how to argue or disagree or, you know, and, and a lot of times I wasn't, you know, in, I didn't think it was a big fight. It's just, you know, hey, you just yell. That's what you do. And Laurie was like, what is wrong with you? You know, and, uh, and so anyway, we had to learn how to, you know, become, have a, a healthy relationship. And so today... We're going to talk about being friends with God. So let's take a look at this. So friends with God. How, how in the world can we, all of us, be friends with God? I mean, that, that's kind of, I don't know how you think about God, but oftentimes what we do is, you know, we have these pictures in our mind of what God is really like. He's this big cosmic power that looks down on little bitty us, a little bitty earth, and we don't feel like we're worthy to even be in his presence. And in some ways there's truth to that. And there's other times whenever we see God, you know, maybe as, you know, he's trying to ride me. He's constantly on top of me. He's constantly ridiculing me or whatever. And, you know, he's against me. And that's not the God of the universe. I can tell you that. And then some of us, maybe we've gotten to the point where we have a healthy relationship with God and we see him as our friend, as a loving father, as a father who is filled with grace and with mercy. And so I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, but I'm just telling you, this relationship is so critical because it affects every other relationship. How we see God, how we uh, engage and interact with God has a huge impact on every other, other relationship. So being friends with God is something that is possible. And I know for me, you know, growing up, I did kind of see God as this big cosmic killjoy almost. But that's not who God is. And so as I began to understand who he was and his character and his qualities and, and, and just who he was, you know, I began to understand, you know what, God is a loving God. He's a, he's a forgiving God. He is a merciful God. And, and so this statement here... It says, the most important relationship in my life should be my relationship with God. It should be. 
And I would say that that's, that's true of all of us. It should be the most important relationship. But there are plenty of times whenever other things kind of get in the way of my relationship with God. And it's things that I allow to do that. We talked even last week about inviting certain things into our life that really don't need to be in our life at all. But what we do is, uh, we, we all know, most of us in this room, if you're here, you know, and if you're watching online, you most likely know, you know what, really my relationship with God should be the most important relationship. But I don't treat it that way. I don't treat it sometimes like it's the most important. There's other things that get in the way. You know, there's other things that can kind of creep in the way of our relationship with God. It could be, you know, our spouse. It could be our kids. It could be our kids' hobbies. It could be our hobbies. It could be all kinds of things that could get in the way of our relationship with God. So how do we, how do we get to the point of having a healthy relationship with God? How do we, how do we have this, this friendship with God? And we're going to read about this in Scripture today, how to be friends with God. Because if you go back into the Old Testament, if you think back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, Adam and Eve walk with God in the cool of the day. Can you imagine what that would be like? They're out walking around. They're having this conversation. They're talking. There was a relationship. There was a friendship with God. Sin, they partook of sin. Sin came in, strained that relationship. And so we see that they were friends with God. And then we see like maybe with Abraham and, and Enoch and, you know, and David. We see just a, just a few people, just a few people that would say that they were friends with God. But Jesus says that whenever, man, when he comes, he's going to say, hey, listen, I've made you friends with God. He calls the disciples his friends. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. So look at what it says here in Romans. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So it's really important to understand to even have a relationship with God, we have to realize what Jesus did. Number one, God, who was the all-knowing, all-powerful, loving God, saw that, you know what, there had to be a bridge taken care of. And so Jesus came. He came in the form of Jesus Christ. God the Father literally took on the form of the Son and literally came and dwelt among us. So God in human form was Jesus. And so when we read this passage, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, it's not by works. It's not by me doing deeds. It's not by me being good enough. You know, I'll never be good enough. I know that, right? But Jesus was. And so therefore, being made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And so when we get our mind around that, you know, that God wanted a relationship with us. He wanted, to, he wanted us to be in right relationship with the Father. Because of our faith... Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. We don't deserve it. Where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And so one of the things that, you know, I have to be reminded of at, at times is that we don't deserve it. And, and that's the thing. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve God's mercy and God's grace. That's why it's called grace. Grace is unmerited favor. And so it's not anything that I've done. I think about the best deal, the best deed I've ever done, the best thing I've ever done that I thought, you know what, I bet God liked that. It's really like filthy rags according to Scripture. My greatest accomplishments are really not enough. And so to be in a right standing with a, with a, with a holy God, with a, a God who loves me, a God who spoke all of the world into existence, who created me in, in the secret place, who shaped me and formed me, and then here's the thing, he purchase me with the blood of christ man i don't deserve it none of us do so to ever think hey man i'm, I'm a pretty good guy i've done a pretty good job i remember whenever i was little i remember thinking hey you know I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good i haven't done a whole lot of bad things and then after i'd done a few bad things i thought i'll never be good enough i never i'll never be good enough i've, I've messed up i've done too many things that are wrong but god who is all-powerful is able to cover 
those things that I did wrong, those sins that I committed with the blood of Christ. Now, here's the thing. I don't deserve it, and you don't either. None of us do. But God, in His love, in His mercy, in His grace, says, you know what? I want to make right our relationship. I want to make right our relationship. So we don't deserve it. God initiated the relationship. You know, I mean, He initiated this relationship. In other words, you know, we... we you know, we want to be in right standing with God, but God initiated. He came, he sent his son, Jesus, here to establish the truth, to go and speak the truth, to show us how to be in right standing with God. And here we are thousands and thousands of years later that we're, that we're literally reading the word of God. We're reading the scriptures that Jesus talked about. And we're reading what, you know, he told Paul and some of these guys, man, he revealed himself to them. And we're, we're looking into that and we're going, God, thank you for loving us. So look at, let's look at Romans. So this is a letter from Paul to the church at Rome. And we've already read a verse out of it. But it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I mean, think about that. You know, we were, it's kind of like in a relationship. If you guys have ever been in a relationship and someone else is wrong, they're the one that has done something wrong. But you show grace and you show mercy even though they did wrong. That's what God did. God didn't do anything wrong. Right? God, God it's not like God was sinful. We were. And so God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We were separated from God because of our sin. So God initiated this. God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. It's God's desire that all people would be saved, that they would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. That's his desire. Look what it says in verse 9 here. It says, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ that washes away our sin, that washes away your greed and your hate, and your anger, and, and your, 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 your jealousy, whatever it might be. The blood of Christ washes that away. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. In other words, we, we're, we're not going to be set free. We're, we're made whole. We're made in right standing. So instead of being condemned to hell, condemned away, separated from God, we're forgiven. We're forgiven, and we're made in right relationship with God. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome, man. So look at this next statement here. It says, we become friends with God. And again, for you, maybe it's not a big deal, but for me, when I think about that sometimes, we're like, I get to be friends with God. I get to be friends with the most high God. The God who spoke the earth into existence and the universe into existence. The God who literally can rain fire down from heaven wants to be my friend. We got any name droppers in the room? Anybody here ever drop, drop names? Yeah, I'm sure there's some of you that do. You often want to tell people who you know, right? There's always a name dropper around. They like to let everybody know that they're good friends with that person. They know them. And so they're name droppers. But the Bible says that we can name drop about Jesus. We, we can tell people, hey, man, I know God. Man, he's my friend. And it's what, the one thing that we ought to be boasting about and bragging about. And, and so if you're a name dropper and you like dropping names, this is the only one you should be dropping, to be honest with you. Hey, man, I know God. I know, I know a lot about him. I, I know how much he loves me. But to get your mind around the fact that we become friends with God, maybe you don't look at God that way. But God looks at you that way. Maybe you feel like, and, and let me just say this. The, the crazy thing about us as humans is oftentimes the way that we look at God has a lot to do with how we look at our earthly dad. If our earthly dad was never there, we often feel like, you know, God will never be there for me. If our earthly dad was mean and condescending and harsh, we feel like, you know what, that's the way God is. But I'm just telling you, these earthly dads that are often broken, all are broken, oftentimes, you know, are not the picture that we really need to see. That's why we need to know who God is. We have to look into His Word. We have to find out who God is. 
Because we get a broken view of it sometimes if we base it on what our, our earthly fathers can be like. And all of us as, as dads are broken. We're in need of a Savior to put us back together. We're in need of a Savior to, to change us and to teach us and to mold us so that we can lead our families well and we can love the way that God intends. So look at this. It says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. In other words, we were enemies of God. We were living as sinners. Our focus was on the world. It was all about being a part of this world and getting all that we can, gaining all that we can. And then whenever Jesus stepped in our life, it changed all of that. And so again, we've been changed, we've been transformed. Look at this. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Friends of God. And so we can rejoice in that relationship. I mean, like I said, if you want to drop names, you say, man, I am, I am friends with the Most High God. You know, God loves me. He wants a relationship with me. And, and whenever we tell people about that, we're able to tell them, hey, listen, God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And, and so we, we get to celebrate this, that we have this, this relationship with God, that we're friends with God. We can rejoice in that. Hopefully, whenever you were worshiping a while ago and we were singing Unstoppable God, you were going, you know what? The Unstoppable God wanted a relationship with me. And you're able to worship Man, just in power and in truth. And, man, you're just going, you know, God, thank you that you wanted to be friends with me. There was one verse in, uh, I think it was the last song, where it was talking about, you know, I need a surgeon for my heart. How about, how about this, that God, who literally was able to do spiritual surgery on your heart and save you, man. He was able to do spiritual surgery and carve out some of those areas of your life that, you know what, that don't honor him and reveal that to you. That's awesome how God works in our life. Man, but he's also my friend. Look at this. The only way to be friends with God is through Jesus. And don't miss this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's one of the most exclusive statements made in all of history. And a lot of people have a problem with that. They think, well, there ought to be more ways to God than just through Jesus. You know, if God was really a loving God, then he would give us all kinds of ways to get there. But what he did is he made it simple. He made it one way. You didn't have to try to figure it out. You just had to say, you know what? I just need to know the truth. And there's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to be in a right standing with the Father is to have a relationship with me, to receive the gift that I, that I offer. And so when we put our, our, our mind around that, we go, you know, there's only one way. It's through Jesus. It's exclusive, but here's the thing. I mean, it's simple. A child can come to know Christ. An old man can come to know Christ. You know, and it doesn't matter where they are. I mean, whenever they come to that point of brokenness over their sin... It's what God desires is a broken and contrite heart, broken over our sin, asking for forgiveness, receiving by faith the gift of salvation. The blood of Christ is applied to our life, and we are redeemed. We are saved. We are washed clean. And it doesn't matter where you are whenever you're making that decision. I remember years ago I was in a church, and somebody was asking one night, he said, hey, man, where's the, where's the, the craziest place that anybody here gave their life to Christ? And I remember a guy raised his hand, and the guy said, uh, in the bathroom at Legion Field. And everybody's like, do what? He goes, I bumped into a friend from high school. And he said, man, I was standing in line. We were waiting to get to the urinals or whatever, or the troughs or whatever they are in there. And he said, he said, and the guy starts telling me, man, I hadn't seen you in years. And he starts sharing, you know, what God had done in his life. And uh, he said, we go in, we use the restroom, we step back outside. And he said, hey, listen, he, man, would you like to give your life to Christ? He said, and I prayed to receive Christ right there. And I thought, how awesome is that? So God can reach us anywhere. But that, this God becomes our friend. He becomes our friend. So here, here's what is a, a critical ingredient. Forgiveness is what restores a relationship that has been strained. We go back and we look in the Old Testament. And we see, you know what, there was, there was sin, there was strain. 
Many of you guys know what this is like. There's strain in your relationship. How many of you guys have got a relationship with somebody, maybe a mom or dad, brother or sister, a friend, co-worker, whatever, is strained right now? And, and I don't know how you guys do, but there's often times whenever someone will hurt us, and then what we do is we kind of, we kind of put up a little bit of a block, and we say, you know what? All right, I'll just, I'll just avoid them for a little bit. They've made me mad. They've hurt my feelings. They've done whatever. And then, you know, you kind of distance yourself, kind of distance because I'm not going to let them hurt me again type deal, right? It's what we do sometimes. And, and the thing is, is we're toting around unforgiveness in us. And that unforgiveness will always strain the relationship. That unforgiveness will strain the relationship. And we've got to be willing to take ownership of that, guys. We've got to go say, you know, God, help me to forgive. Because whenever I get bitter and when I get resentful and I get angry, I'm not hurting them, I'm hurting me. You know, and it's kind of like the old saying, it's like drinking poison and hoping they die. It doesn't work that way. So what we've got to be willing to do is say, God, help me to forgive. There's times with Laurie and I, whenever we might be, you know, she may do something or say something or doesn't do something or whatever that it kind of hurts my feelings or offends me, then I kind of give her the treatment. Now, y'all probably wouldn't do any of this, but she'll say, hey, listen, do you want to do this? Nope. You want to go? And I'm like, nope. And she's like, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Y'all ever do that? She does the same thing. You know, so we've got a jacked up relationship too. We're always having to work at our relationship. And, and so there are times that we do that. Now, some of you guys don't want to admit it, but you do the same thing. But what it is, I've got to choose to forgive her even if she hurt me, even if she offended me. I've got to choose to forgive her, and I've got to offer forgiveness. I've got to release that. And here's the thing. Our relationship's always better when there's not an offense that is straining it. And what happens is too often we'll go through life, and we'll go weeks, and we'll go months and years, sometimes with a strained relationship, whenever all we really need to do is maybe sit down and talk through it, take ownership of what we've done, offer forgiveness and receive forgiveness, and then we find out what we've been missing out on. And there may be some of you in the room today, there's somebody somewhere that you know God is speaking to you about that relationship right now, and you need to do that. You need to just say, hey, listen, can we sit down and can we talk? Can we, can we get things on the table? And I just want to apologize. And here's the thing, they may not apologize, but you have to choose to forgive them. And, and 1 John 1, 9 tells us that. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, unwick, uh, all wickedness. So here's the thing is God is willing to forgive me. When I confess my sins to God and say, God, I've been angry, I've been resentful, I've been uh, bitter. Lord Father, I've, I've been holding all this in. God, will you forgive me? And he forgives me. And he tells me to do the same thing, then quickly and thoroughly forgive just as Christ has forgiven you. So there are times I have to forgive. You know, it doesn't mean that, you know, there can't be some boundaries, to maybe some guidelines to kind of keep the relationship from going there again. But the thing is, is I've got to, I've got to be willing to forgive, and you've got to be willing to forgive. We all do. And so whenever we forgive, it brings, you know, it brings relief to that. It brings healing to that relationship. And so even in our relationship with God, we confess our sin. And confession is agreeing with God. God, this is sin. God, this is sin. And I'm confessing it to you. I'm, t- I'm agreeing with you that sin. Father, will you forgive me? And it says he will forgive us. Repentance is turning away from that sin and not walking down that road again. Look at this. I must make knowing God the number one priority in my life. That's a, that's a choice we make. You know, now I know some of you guys know Valentine's Day is coming up. Some of y'all are probably planning a special day. And uh, maybe you got something special planned, get away or something like that. But what we've got to be intentional about is making sure that, you know what, we put it on the calendar. We, I don't know if that ever happened to y'all, but <laughs> there's been a couple times whenever I would have something I was supposed to do and, like, pick up your kid. I probably won't ever get parent of the year. 
And uh, Laura and I had missed in a communication somehow that I was supposed to pick up one of our sons. And I'd get a call from a teacher, Mr. Mazingo, are you picking up? Yeah, I'm on the way. Bam. I take out the door and I'm you know, driving, getting there. And I'm like, man, how in the world did I forget that? Y'all ever forget things like that? You know, maybe I didn't write it down that day. I didn't put it down. And so the thing is, is oftentimes we will make special things, but we need to plan for those. And I would just say this, that if we're going to plan for somebody in our life, we ought to plan for time with God in our life. If we say this is the most important relationship, this relationship is the most important because it affects every one of these relationships, then it needs to be a priority. And so it's, it's not just to say, hey, I'm just going to pray today, but it's knowing God. Notice it's not just, hey, I'm just going to make it a priority to pray. I'm going to make it a priority to read. It's knowing God. The great thing about relationships is when you get to know people. And, and like Laurie and I, we can be sitting in a room and we can look across the room. I know what she's thinking. She knows what I'm thinking. We can look at each other and know that. You know, so to know somebody, to know what they like, to know what they love, know what their favorite colors are, to know somebody is kind of a cool thing. And so to know God, it says, I must make knowing God the number one priority in my life. That if I know God, then here's the thing, I know more about Him. And the more that I know about Him, the more that I know that He loves me and that He's forgiving and that He wants me to serve others and He wants me to forgive others and He wants me to care for people and He wants me to share the, the hope that I have. And so the more that I know Him will affect everything else. Yes, everything else, this is Paul speaking. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul said nothing else compares to knowing Him. And understand it's knowing Him. It's not just, hey, I believe there's a God... But it's knowing Him. It's knowing God. It's knowing everything about Him. It's, it's looking back and, and figuring out, man, how God's hand is at work all through the Scriptures, all through history. But it's knowing Him. And so too many of us would say, I believe there's a God. Well, the demons believe that, right? But do we know the God that we claim that we love? So do we know Him? And so Paul says, man, there's nothing like, uh, comp- that compares to that. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else is like garbage. Look at this. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. He wants to be one with Christ. I want to know everything about him. Now, there's some of you, maybe you're in a dating relationship and you've got this person you're crazy about. You go, man, I want to know everything about him. But needs to stay that way until the day you die, if that's who you're going to marry. And too often what we do is we get, we get to know him, we marry him, and then all of a sudden we want to get to know everybody else. But, but Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, I want to know Christ and I want to know everything about him. And he, he's growing in that relationship. And so we should have that same mentality that Paul's got here. He says, I no longer count, don't count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. There's faith in Christ. He said, it's not about following all the rules. It's not about me you know, following the letter of the law. It's about me trusting. It's about me believing. It's about me putting my faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It's on faith. It's not by works. It's not good deeds. It's by faith in Christ. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. This is Jeremiah. Now, love this. You know, I, I would always teach my boys. I'd say, hey, listen, you know, don't brag on yourself if you do something good. You let, the Bible says, let another man's lips praise you. And, and so if you ever get around somebody that's bragging on themselves, it doesn't take long. You, you don't like it. You know, a kid that's bragging on himself, none of the kids like that. None of the other parents like that. So moms and dads, you need to teach your kids what the Bible says. Let another man's lips praise you. Somebody's going to give you uh, honors or, or you, know, you know, pay you tribute or whatever. Let it be somebody else, not yourself. You become boastful, arrogant, and nobody likes that. It says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. Don't, don't brag about what you got. Don't, 
brag about how smart you are. Don't brag about those things. Don't boast in those things. But look at what it says. But those who wish to boast should boast in this, this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord. If you're going to brag about anything, man, hey, man, I know God. I know, I know Jesus. Man, I, I know the Holy Spirit. I know all three of them. They're at work in my life. And if you're going to boast or brag about anything, what kind of God he is. Man, he's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. He's a powerful God. He's a freeing God. Man, you get to boast in those things. And look at what it says here. Who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. And, man, what he's saying there is, hey, listen, man, this is what God is saying. If you're going to boast in anything, boast in a God who is loving, who has unfailing love, who brings righteousness. Instead of worrying and focusing on everything else, God, I want to, I want to know you. And I want to know what you bring to the table. Let me tell you, if we would apply this verse right now in our nation, it would change a lot of weary people that are out there that are living in fear. We would go, you know what? God, I want, to, I want to know what your word says. I want to know what you say. I'm not worried about what everybody else says. God, I want to know what you say. You say, God. And we have to be careful that we don't get so caught up in what this world has to say. Look at this statement here. It says, choosing friendship with God over friendship with the world. Now, we can go back and read in John 3.16 where it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? So that anybody who, who, who put their faith in him, man, they would, they would be saved. They would be transformed. They would be changed by the power of God. And so we're told that in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world. Now, here's the thing. He loved the people in the world. Too often what we do, though, is we love the values of the world. We love this world, not the people in it. And so God loves the people in the world, but he doesn't love the value systems and all the junk that's in this world. And so what happens is too often we are just the opposite of what God says. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? And I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And so what we've got to get our mind around is, you know what, I'm to love people. I'm to care about people. So God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Then we need to go, you know what, God loves people. He cares about them. But here we see very clearly in James that to love this world, that's the value systems and all this stuff that's here more than God is to make us enemies with God. So let me ask you, when you walk up on something, do you, do you ever wonder about where people might spend eternity when you see a crowd like is here in the room? Do you wonder, I mean, who in here has put their faith in Christ? Who in here has been saved? Who in here's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Walk up on a football field or a baseball field, do you wonder, I wonder where these people will spend eternity. I wonder where they will when they breathe their last breath, will they step into heaven or will they step into hell? You know, and so as believers, we ought to worry about that. We ought to wonder about that. And we ought to be driven to share the hope of the world. We ought to be driven to share the good news that those people can be friends with God. That's what he's saying. Hey, listen, if you're going to boast about anything, if you're going to brag about anything, if you're going to talk about anything, man, talk about what it's like to be in right standing with God. Talk about your relationship with God. Talk about how loving God is, His unfailing love. And those are the things that we should brag about and boast about. And too often our boasting and our bragging is about anything but God. It's, it's sports teams. It's all these things that really won't last forever. You know, we're about to hit that season where sports aren't going to be all that fun, you know, for a while. It just seems like, you know, maybe not on TV anyway. And so, but the thing is, is seasons, those are just seasons. 
But we're talking about things that last for eternity here. And so look at here, this next one. It says, my friendship with God affects every other relationship. And so don't miss that part of it. How I relate to God has a lot to do with how I relate to other people. I've said this many, many times. I often ask God, God, help me to see people as you see them and to love people as you love them. And you look back at Jesus, man, Jesus, man, he saw people and he looked at them certain ways. And, and I want to be able to see people the way that Jesus sees them. And there's too many times I battle the flesh and I don't see them the way that he does. And so I have to constantly work on my relationship with God so that I can work on my relationship with people. I've got to love people. I've got to love people where they are. That's what Jesus did. Too often we want them to get to a certain point before we love them. That's not the way God works. Look at what it says here. This is Jesus uh, t- talking to his disciples. It says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus has just gone to the cross. He's laid down his life, right? You're my, you're my friends if you do what I command. He tells us to do what he's commanded. So if we're really friends with God, if we're really friends with Christ, we're going to do what he has commanded us to do. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So, so Jesus is telling these disciples, hey, man, I'm, I'm giving you everything. You're a part of this. And so whenever we become a part of the church, we become a part of the bride of Christ. The thing is, is we're all a part of this. You know, we all have a part in this. And we are to say, you know, God, show us what we're to do. God, teach us how to, how to reach the lost, how to reach the unchurched, the unsaved. It says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. That fruit is eternal fruit, lasting fruit. The stuff that will last forever. And so, so, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for, using in my name. Using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. So over and over, Jesus said, hey, listen, guys, love each other. Love each other. You know, and let me just say, you know, I want us to talk about how do, I, how do I fall in love with God? How do I learn to love Him? And I think, it, just like with any other relationship, it takes communication. It takes time together. And we have to work at that time together, right? We have to work at communicating. We have to work at being intentional with our time. If I'm going to have a really good relationship with my wife, I've got to be intentional about time with her and good communication. If I'm going to have a good relationship with my sons, I have to be intentional with time with them and good communication with them. Same way with my friends, and I think it's the same way with God the Father. And, and so communication is, vital to, is a vital key to, to all great relationships. I think it's just critical. And, and the problem is, is oftentimes there's a breakdown in communication. You know, we as a staff, we meet every week. And we go over uh, communication. We, we work at communication. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've even been working at, at communication exercises, really for listening skills, just trying to work on being better listeners. Because a lot of times there's distractions out there and we miss things. And we meet for, you know, in, a, in a room for an hour trying to make sure we're all on the same page. And there's still breakdowns in communication. It happens all the time. So we're, we're working at that. So my question is, are you working at communication with your spouse? Are you working at communication with your kids? Are you working at communication with the people around you? And so every week we gather together, we talk about things that were wins. Hey, what were the things that were awesome, that were wins, that were, hey, we uh, succeeded in the mission of Journey Church in this area. We saw a life change, a soul was saved. I mean, we celebrate those things. We celebrate you guys. Uh, We celebrate good attendance. We celebrate those things. We celebrate when someone responds to the gospel. We celebrate when someone's life is changed. We celebrate baptism. But we also work on things. We're trying to improve things. And one of the things we're always trying to improve is what? Communication. And so communication is critical to every good relationship. And, and let me just tell you what I feel like communication is, is this. is listening and speaking. It's two things. It's sending and receiving. And they're critical to effective communication. So I may be speaking right now, and some of you guys may not be listening at all. You're, at, you're here, but you're not listening. 
You're already thinking about lunch, thinking about where you're going to eat. Some of you guys may even be asleep. Anybody asleep out there? Yeah, wake up, guys. I'm just kidding. There's nobody in there asleep. But I'm just saying, oftentimes what we do is we're, 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 we think we're communicating and you're not. You're speaking, but you're not receiving or it's not getting there. And, and so we have to work at communication in every relationship. You know, this, this past uh, week, you know, many of you guys know Laura was in an accident, uh, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. And so we've been all week, we've been kind of working through insurance and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so we've had a rental car, and that little car that we're driving has lane departure stuff in it. And so I was, I was thinking as I was driving that thing, and I didn't realize how many times I leave a lane. I mean, I don't know if y'all got that feature on your car, but, I mean, it's like, I'm like, man, I, am I drunk or what? You know, I mean, I'm all over the road, it feels like. And so... So anyway, I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if we had that in our lives? To, hey, when we're getting out of the lane relationally, that something kind of nudges us. And we do, don't we? It's the Holy Spirit. See, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit working in you. And that Holy Spirit would say, listen, that's not the way to talk to her. Hey, that's not the way to respond to him. That's not the way to treat them. And so we do have lane departure, if you will, in our lives. Called the Holy Spirit's the Word of God as well. And so listening to God is critical. So we need to make sure that we're listening to God. We've got to go, God, I want to hear you. Hopefully some of you guys are hearing God today, even in this service, as the Word of God is being spoken to you and even being read to you because God's Word never returns void. It is always accomplishes its task. And so God speaks through His Word, the Bible. And so as you're reading these Scriptures, God is speaking to you. And for some of you, he's doing surgery in your heart. He's revealing things about you. The Bible, you know, and, and the scripture talks about how sharp that, that sword is, the Bible, that it literally it carves things out. And it may be showing some area in your life that, you know what, you've been talking too harshly. You've been, you haven't been listening. You haven't been working at communication. God is not a priority in your life. Everything else seems to be but your relationship with God and knowing him. And so we have to understand, you know, God's word speaks to us. And anything, if anything else speaks to you, in any other way, somebody tells you something, it needs to line up with Scripture. It's the litmus test. It's the measuring stick. And so, look what it says here. It says, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And he was taught by his, his, his mother and his grandmother. It says, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. In other words, Timothy had heard the good news. He had heard the Scriptures. And so he knew how to give his life to Christ. I think back to me growing up in church going to VBS, going to Sunday school, going to all these things. And so I've been taught the Word of God. So whenever it, it, everything clicked in my head and my heart at the age of 19, I knew how to give my life to Christ. I knew how to be saved. And hopefully there's some of you today that as you have read these Scriptures, you realize, you know what, man, I've been trying to earn my salvation. I've been trying to be good enough. And I realize, you know what, it's only by faith that I'm saved, and it's only through Christ. And so maybe today you realize that. And maybe it'll click in your, your heart, in your mind. So you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's critical. And then look at this next part here. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. God uses His Word to prepare us. To be able to share with someone how they can be saved. To, to, to be able to encourage someone whenever they're struggling. To be able to help them refocus whenever they've lost focus. So that's what God's Word does for us. Look at this statement here. If we want to go closer to God, we should read His Word regularly. So every day, I believe that every day we ought to read some. Just take just a few verses, but read some of God's Word every day. 
That way you're getting to know him a little bit more each day. And, and maybe plan some special time to maybe do a retreat and just go off by yourself. Maybe take a weekend and say, you know what, I'm going to spend time reading God's Word. And I just want God to speak to me just like you would with anybody else. You, you plan a special time with God and you meet with Him. But regularly, we need to be taking in God's Word. It's just one of those things that we all need. Here's another. God speaks through wise biblical counsel. God gives us wise people in our lives. But I would say this, it needs to be biblical counsel. It needs to line up with God's Word always. And so maybe you're going through a tough situation. You're seeking counsel. Maybe a pastor, maybe a Christian counselor, or maybe it's a, a Christian businessman. You've got this decision you're trying to make. Make sure it's biblical counsel. It needs to line up with God's Word. But God will speak through them. He will speak through that person. Here's another one. God speaks through circumstances. There are times that God just makes it clear, hey, this is what I want you to do. You know, God has done that in my life there's been times whenever i'm going god you know what am i to do in a situation and man through that circumstance somehow he said it makes it clear maybe there's a need i see a need in someone's life and i feel like you know god is speaking to me and said mike i want you to be a part of meeting that need you know one of the things i just shared with you guys a few weeks ago you know about just a or maybe it was last week about seeing all the trash that's around our community and you know and that you may say well you know trash doesn't have anything with eternal life mike why are you worried about that because here's the thing, I feel like, you know, that, you know, we have an opportunity to serve our community. So I met with city councilmen, I met with, uh, you know, with some of our, uh, our mayors in the area, and I just asked them, I said, man, what can I do to help? Because instead of complaining about it, I was like, you know, if God's allowing me to see the problem, He wants me to be part of the solution, helping do something. So on March the 6th, if you guys would, put it on your calendar, we're going to be picking up trash. And it's an opportunity to serve our community, but it's an opportunity to share the gospel. There may be somebody out there that doesn't have a church home. Maybe somebody out there that doesn't know Christ. And they ask, why are y'all doing this? Well, let me tell you why. Uh, you know, we get to tell them about Christ. We get to boast about our relationship with God, right? Not in, not in a condescending way. We just get to tell them, hey, man, God wants a relationship with you too. And, and so it's a great opportunity. But here's the thing. It's a circumstance that God revealed. Hey, Mike, this is what I want you to be a part of. So it's called Love Where You Live on March 6th. If you will, join us in that. Speaking to God. So here's the thing. So we, we're to listen to God, but speaking to God, we have a responsibility in that as well. There's times whenever, you know, we, you know, in a relationship, if one person's doing all the talking and nobody else is ever getting a word in, you need to slow down and listen, right? But there's also times that we need to talk and we need to speak to God. And we do that through prayer. We speak to God through prayer. We need to come before God, not with a wish list, not with just a want list, but have a conversation. Some of my greatest time of prayer has been driving down the road. Especially on long trips, whenever I'm driving down the road, it's almost like I just imagine Jesus sitting in the car with me and having a conversation like he's a friend. Because I'm a friend of God, right? That's what Scripture tells me. So I'll have this conversation. There's still respect. There's still honor. But, man, it's just one of those cool things where you get to talk to God about what you're going through, what you're dealing with. And I think sometimes what we do is we're, we don't see it that way. But if you get your mind around the fact that God wants to be your friend, he wants to be involved in the decisions of your life. And he cares about how you think, and he cares about where you're going in life. Maybe we just talk to him, and we speak to him. And I think sometimes we think we can't say certain things to God. God already knows every thought that you've got. If you're thinking that he's being, being unfair with you, he already knows that. If you, if you think that he's not doing what he ought to do, he already knows that. But it's us just speaking it. It's getting it out on the table. And then maybe God will give you the comfort, and maybe he'll just show you how, how he is at work. And so we've got to be willing to speak to God through prayer. There's another one. We need to approach God with a pure heart and right motives. Like I said, you don't, you know, approach God. It's just like, you know, I think about I'm meeting with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. If I were to approach any king in this world, this world that has fallen, 
I would do that in a, probably a, a way that I would feel like is appropriate in that culture or whatever. Well, I'm meeting with the King of Kings. I still want to go before God with a pure heart. I want to make sure that my heart's right. My motives are right. And I'm meeting with Him to get to know Him and, 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 to, and to know, God, what do you want? I think back to Jesus praying in the garden, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He's about to go to the cross for you and for me. But God, not my will, but your will to be done. He tells, tells us in the, in the model prayer that He gives us, the Lord's Prayer. Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about your will, Father. And so when we meet with God and we're talking to Him, we're going, God, I want to know what you want me to do. God, I want to, I want to line up with you. So we go with a pure heart and right motives. And then this next one. Uh, your most important relationship should get your best moments. If whatever is the most important to you gets your best. And for some of you, maybe if you're married, maybe it is your spouse. Maybe you've got kids, it's your kids. But too often, it's not God. And so God's not getting your best moments. He's getting your leftovers. And too often, you know what gets our best moments? Our hobbies. Our, the sports that we like. Gets our best. We go out of our way. Man, we prepare. We do everything we can to make it special. But maybe our kids or our wife, they don't get that. But boy, our hobbies get it. They get our attention. They get our money. They get everything. You know, maybe maybe there's something that's, maybe it's in the wrong area or on the list of priorities. Maybe it's in first place. It could be your kids. We live in a culture where it's almost encouraged to worship your children, it seems like. That's, that's not healthy for a marriage. But that's what the world says. And so too often we, we make it about our children, not about the God that we love, not about the God that we serve, not about our marriage, it's about our kids. And so we have to be careful that the most important relationship gets our best moments. Instead of God getting your leftovers and whenever you run out of day, say, I, mean, I need to have a time of prayer. I need to throw a prayer over this. Maybe we ought to plan time to meet with God. Put Him on your schedule. Make sure He's a priority. And you spend that time there. Maybe plan a retreat. And it's at your best. It's not just, hey, I don't have anything else to do this weekend. I think I'll meet with God. Maybe say, you know what? I'm going to put Him before everything. Because if He's truly the Lord of your life, He's in first place. If he's really the God of your life, he's in first place. He's not somewhere four, five, six, somewhere down the list, but he's, he's in first place. And so maybe, maybe for you, you realize, you know what, to really listen to God and to be able to speak to God, I need to plan some time to meet with him. You know, Laurie and I, we do this often. We'll, we'll try to plan a weekend away, just the two of us, to, just to connect, just to reconnect. And that's some of the most special times that we've had. The last three, uh, three or four Saturdays, we've literally gone for a walk somewhere and eat, you know, had lunch somewhere and... And just connecting, man, just connecting. And we're trying to be intentional with that. And so I would encourage you, man, plan time for those moments that are, that are important. But your, your time with God ought to be priority. Here, here's a couple of next steps that you can take. I'll put my, my trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and right standing with God. In other words, maybe there's somebody here today or maybe somebody watching online. You go, you know what, man, I want to put my faith in Christ. Man, for years I've been trying to be religious enough. I've been trying to be good enough. I've been trying to... To get where I can't ever seem to get. And maybe for you, you realize today that it's by faith that you're saved. Your faith in what Christ has done. Your faith in what Jesus did on the cross. And today is the day of salvation for you. Maybe today, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Never to be erased, but written in the blood of Christ. Isn't that powerful? The Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name there? So maybe for today, maybe there's somebody out there 
the same thing for you. Maybe you've never put your faith in Christ. Man, make that decision today. Here's another one. Here's another step that I think would be a good one. There's lots of believers in here. I'll make my friendship with God the number one priority in my life. There's a lot of believers in here on that on there watching that you know, you know what? Jesus is not in first place. He's not even probably in the top five right now. But I know he should be. And so if you're looking for an action step, man, that's a great action step. And here's the thing. Only you can make him the priority in your life. God doesn't even force himself to be number one in your life. That's your choice. That's, that's what you choose. And how do you choose that? It's by how you spend your time and your resources. It's by you being intentional about meeting with him. Having a conversation with the God of the universe. And realizing, that you know what, man, I get to meet with God. I'm friends with God. And making him a priority every day. Every day. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you've never put your faith in Christ, I mean, let today be the day of salvation for you. Let today be the day that you trust Christ with all the faith that you have. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor Mike, how much faith does it take? All the faith that you have. Some of us, we feel like we don't have very much faith. Some of us feel like we've got a lot of faith. It takes every bit of faith you got to put your faith in what Christ has done and to receive the gift of salvation that comes by faith. And say, Jesus, I want to I want to live for you from this point forward. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. Jesus, I want to live for you. That's surrender. Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to be about your kingdom. That's surrendering to what the Father has called us to do. So what's keeping you from making that decision today? What's keeping you from being saved? What's keeping you from being friends with God? Maybe right now, wherever you are, if you're watching online, you bow your head and you say, Jesus, will you come into my life? Jesus, will you forgive me of the sins I've committed because I've committed plenty? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you teach me to live for you? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you be my friend? And his answer is yes. Maybe there's somebody here in the room that's been your prayer today. You've asked Christ to come into your life. You need a friend. Man, if you, if you have made that decision, if you would, let us know on a card, through by your phone. If you want to just, if you would raise your hand, if you're here in the room, you just put, ask Christ to come into your life, just raise your hand and say, Pastor Mike, I just put my faith in Christ for salvation. I believe that Jesus just saved me. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? Man, we would love to know. We want to, we want to worship with you. We want to celebrate with you. But I can promise you this. God is worthy of being in first place, and he deserves it. We don't deserve his presence, but man, he deserves ours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. And God, I thank you for the relationship that we can have with you because of your son Jesus, what he did at the cross. God, I thank you that you've, put, you've placed the Holy Spirit within us, God, to, to let us know when we're out of line, when we've, we've got out of, out, of our, out of our lane with Father relationally. So, Father, I pray that you would just uh, be honored, glorified by every song that's been sung today, by everything that's been spoken. But, God, I thank you more than anything that you want to be our friend. That is so humbling. But, God, I thank you that you're a gracious God, a forgiving God, a redeeming God, and a God who wants to be our friend. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.